How's everybody doing? Good? Good, good? My name is Pastor Derek. If you don't know who I am, some people call me PD. Everybody say, what's up, PD? What's up? <laughs> good. Pastor Disaster, whatever you want to call me, it's, it's all good. Glad you guys are in church today in spite of the rain. Praise God. It's either, you know, stay home, look out the window, or come in here and pretend there were windows. <laughs> but um, I'm so pumped that you're here today. Um, I want to give it up for all our online viewers, too, that are watching online. And there's some of them around the world. We're so glad you're with us. Can you give them a big hand with me? Yeah. Literally. Um, cool announcement I got two to, to bring to you. Um, uh, the first one, uh, you already heard that we're, uh, we're going to be launching an, uh, a uh, new campus, an extension campus of Connect Community Church. So here's kind of the vision in a nutshell. We believe uh, that we are one church, many locations. And so uh, that's kind of a simple way to describe it. And uh, it's just kind of a vision that uh, God's put on me and our, lo- and, our, and our leadership. And so we're really excited because it's starting to get some traction. And kind of three things to really make it happen. You need... You need the right, the right uh, pastor, you need the place, and you need the right people to make it happen. And so uh, months ago, um, we, uh, we, we uh, were able to get our champion, our, our campus pastor. So he's the on-site. Pastor Chris, yeah, he's with us. Give it up. So he is, he is the pastor of that new location, and I'm the pastor of both those locations. And so I tell him what to do and where to go. And Give me 50 and all that kind of stuff. So, no. Um, um, and, then, and then we started praying for, um, you know, the, the, the place. And so some of you know we kind of went church-wide with this. If you're new here, this is just, you know, just for your information. Um, but for those of you who consider this your home church, we've been, uh, we've been experiencing a lot of resistance uh, trying to find uh, our, our first kind of location and try to penetrate the Framingham area. And we really wanted to be in kind of North Framingham because we believed that we could replicate who we are. We're a very diverse church. And so we wanted to replicate who we were, who we are. And um, literally just every effort that we made just kept getting no, 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 no. And I remember being with my staff in a particular uh, meeting and we were just getting bad report after bad report. And this last one came in and you could tell it was a dagger uh, to all of us. And I'm not always like this, but but uh, I just, I felt like the Lord was saying, the book of Hebrews, it says, don't shrink back. And I just felt like, almost like, you know, put my foot back, like I'm not going back any further right now. I'm going to stand my ground in faith, believing uh, to see. Instead of see to believe, I'm going to believe to see. And so I just kind of challenged my team, hey, we're not letting go. We're not moving on to a new spot. God is going to give us this location. They all rallied around kind of that, that uh, commitment, and, uh, and, and Pastor Chris really just saw a lot of uh, the, this, this torch-carrying part of it as well, and we just kept praying and praying and praying. In fact, we told the whole church to be praying and praying and praying, and, uh, and then we just, we got another note, we got another note, and it just kept on happening over and over again, and um, anyway, I just um, want you guys to continue uh, to know that we got the location. Come on, somebody, give it up for God, amen. I mean, it was amazing. Come on. God is in control. We got the school in Northern Framingham. We're going to be at Cameron Middle School. We're coming to Framingham. You guys get ready. It is going to be awesome. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not stand up against it. Amen. Come on. I feel like I could storm hell with a water pistol. Come on, somebody. Yeah, yeah. 
Giddy up. Giddy up. We're coming. We're coming to Framingham. We are coming to Framingham. And this church is going to multiply, and we're going to reach a ton of people for Christ. And that's what it's all about. It's about the kingdom. Amen? Amen. It's all about the kingdom of God. Turn your neighbor and say it's about the kingdom. All right. I got to make one more announcement, uh, and then I got to preach. Okay, so... Um, I want to tell you also something else. If you're new, this is not for you. Just relax. Uh, but if you're family, frequent flyer here, wherever you are, um, December 3rd, we have a, a campus offering. So we, we don't pass a plate at Connect. That might be refreshing to you if you're a guest. Uh, we don't really encourage guilt giving or tipping or reactive giving. We really encourage people to have a predetermined commitment, as Pastor Chris and, and, and uh, my son Devin were talking about a few minutes ago. So... I'm just letting you know you have an opportunity uh, to sow into this new location. And as I was talking about last week, if how many are here last week? Raise your hand if you're here last week. Okay, so we talked about that dollars equal souls. When you when you sow into kingdom work, then it produces it produces eternal um, uh, fruit and eternal rewards. And those rewards will be uh, some of them in this life, but definitely in the next life. Amen. We learned that from Luke 16 last week. So we're taking an offering uh, that'll be on December 3rd. I encourage you, my wife and I. Um, and, and I say this to be a good leader, but we will lead from the front. We will bring a sacrificial offering ourselves. We've been praying and talking about it as well. Uh, we won't ask you to do something that we're not willing to or don't do ourselves. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's get your worship guides out. We're going to continue our series entitled uh, The Treasure Principle. This is the third installment in the series. And uh, if you're here, uh, I'm, I'm, I, am, I am talking about money, but I'm talking more about principles that affect all aspects of life but they also affect money. And my motivation, whether it is seen as such or not, and, and, and I, I have to just trust the Holy Spirit to speak this to you because I cannot take the time to qualify and, and dismantle some of the barriers and walls that some of you might have when somebody starts talking about money in church. Uh, but my, my motivation is 100% for you. And I, I honestly, I, didn't, I probably couldn't have said that at one time in my life. I would have been too afraid of what you think of me speaking about money um, that would be more my tendency, but some people talk about money because they just want to put, they're under pressure, so they want to put you under pressure. And so some people are afraid and intimidated to talk about it, and then some people manipulate and coerce people because they need it. And I'm just saying I'm not on either one of those polarities. I don't, we're not under pressure as a church. All our bills are paid. The lights aren't going to go off as soon as you leave and, or any of those kind of things. We're blessed, and, but we're blessed to be a blessing. And, and anything we do, we try to steward well, fiercely protect the resources that come in here and wisely invest them in kingdom work. But um, I'm not here uh, to do anything but just kind of help you. So some of, the, some of the things that I'm talking about changed my life. And this one that I'm going to talk about today majorly changed my life. So I'm going to give you a treasure principle that had a huge impact on my entire life, but definitely on my finances and specifically as it connects to the tithe. So the title of the message is Order Matters. Everybody say Order Matters. And here's the big idea. Today's big idea is God isn't interested in the amount as much as he's interested in order or the order of things. God, in essence, wants to be in the first position of every area of your life. And so I'm going to teach on a principle called the principle of the first. Uh, I have a little acrostic I used to teach on all the time, but God wants to be first, F-I-R-S-T. Finances, F-I, interests, our relationships, S, our schedule, and T, our troubles. It's just a great way to understand. He wants to be first in every area of your life. But we're focusing mostly on finance, the principle of the first as it relates to finances. And again, I didn't see this 
what I'm going to tell you until I was like 35, 36 years old, which was a couple years ago. <laughs> Why are you laughing so sincerely, too? But um, I, didn't, I didn't see it. I didn't see it for a long, long time. But when I did, and I, and I merged it, married it to what I already knew about biblical finance it was just like, wow. It was just, it, I'm just telling you, it was a game changer. And it began to manifest in different parts of my life in particular. So I want you to see something. It's a little complicated in the beginning, so that's why I'm going to throw it out there in the front end. I want you to see this principle of the first. It's all over the Bible, but I'm going to start with a place in the book of Exodus. Everybody say, Exodus. Okay, so the Lord's talking to Moses, and he says, Consecrate to me every, consecrate means set apart, Every firstborn male, the first offspring of every womb among the Israelites, belongs, it belongs to me. So what God is saying, you can see these key terms here, firstborn, first offspring. And then he uses this thing, he says, it belongs to me. In fact, in the, um, in the Hebrew, it's a very strong, strong, emphatic language. Uh, your, one of your translation may say, it's mine. So God basically is saying, first things whether it be from, from the land produce or whether it be from livestock, which was kind of the, uh, the economic uh, process or the, instead of the currency we have today, that was the currency, currency of that day. The first of those things, he's saying, belong to me. Is everybody tracking so far? All right, so it's not too complicated so far. And then he goes on to say, you are to give over to the Lord that first thing, that first offspring of, of whatever, whatever was born, of whatever was given, male of your livestock. It belongs to me, he says it again, okay? So his first things, whether it be land uh, from, 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 or, or livestock, and we'll see the land part later, it'll use terms like your first fruits, it'll say, instead of firstborn. They're just, they're, they're same principle behind both of those words. But then he goes on to say, what do you do with that? Well, it has to be redeemed with the lamb. Every firstborn has to be redeemed with the lamb. Uh, uh, let me back up. Look at this. It says, every firstborn donkey. Everybody say donkey. donkey. Now make the noise. No, I'm just kidding. Don't make the noise. <laughs> so like my husband did it this morning. No, I'm kidding. He does it every morning. Um, so there's two kind of animals here in this text. There's going to be a donkey. There's going to be a lamb. A promise is going to have something to do with what I'm talking about in just a minute. It says, you're to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. All the firstborn males of your livestock belongs to the Lord. Redeem with the lamb every firstborn donkey. But if you do not redeem it, break its neck. In other words, it'll die. You're going to lose it anyway. Redeem every firstborn among your sons. Okay, what does this have to do with anything, Pastor? Can you please try to explain this to me? Well, first of all, this redeem part of it, the last portion of that verse, is saying this. If it's not redeemed, if that, if that sacrifice is not redeemed, you're going to lose it. It's going to die. Now, just quickly, let me parallel this to money because that's where I'm going. If you don't redeem what you have, you lose it anyway. In fact, in the book of Haggai, it talks about bag with holes in it. Uh, this, this is, that's, a, that's like an Old Testament description of what we hear and you may think or say often anyway is I've got too many bills. I've got more bills at the end of the month than I have money. As fast as I earn it, it goes out the window. Uh, it's like, it's like, like there's a window and it just blow, money's just blown out the window. People say things like this all the time. It's like my life has a bag with holes in it. And so God is saying, yep. If you don't learn to redeem the first of what you have, 
that will continue to happen. It'll, it'll, it'll break your neck. It'll take, it'll take the life of your finances, your life right away from you. Is everybody tracking with me? Okay? So there's two categories of animals in this particular thing. There's a donkey and there's, and there's the lamb, this, this, this kind of spotless, pure lamb. The donkey represents an unclean sacrifice, and the lamb represents a clean sacrifice. So in order to redeem the unclean sacrifice, you needed a firstborn, perfect, spotless lamb to redeem that which was impure or unclean. That's what this is talking about right here. It has to be redeemed. It's a clean animal, the lamb. It's, you give the first one you get, you sacrifice that, the firstborn or the first fruits we can see later, and that clean redeems the unclean. Everybody's with me so far? Okay? So what does it have to do with anything? I promise it's going to make sense. Where, now let me ask you like this. Were you born spiritually, spiritually speaking, clean or unclean? Unclean. As Christians, we know that we have what's called a sinful nature. Now, if, if I was to ask the experts in this room, parents, <laughs> who have small children, you know what I'm talking about. You didn't have to teach your little children to have a sinful nature. They just had it, right? We love them, but they're little demons, right? You, we all know that, right? They're like, mine, 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 no, 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 resist authority, do what they want, when they want, right? They have, that has to be trained, that has to be, that, that, that nature has to be redeemed. So let me ask another question. So uh, we were born unclean. Jesus, was he born clean or unclean? Clean. And he's referred to as the spotless lamb of God that takes away the sins of the whole world. So God the Father, listen, tithed his son into the world. He gave his one and only begotten son, his firstborn. In fact, he's referred to as the first fruits of many brethren. He's, refers, he's referred to as the firstborn. He's an offering that was given for humanity, unclean donkeys, unclean animals, as it were, uh, subject to our sinful nature, our, our, our natural inclinations and all that. And God said, I, I want to redeem them. I, I wanna sac- I'm going to give my son first to them as a sacrifice and, and, if, and to redeem them. And if they accept it by faith, everything in their life is redeemed. Their eternity is redeemed. That's a spiritual principle that applies to every aspect of life, including finances. Is everybody up for the snack, okay? So Jesus is God's tithe. And it took faith for God the Father to do that with his son. It took, this, it took faith for the son to give his life because he didn't know if man or humanity would reciprocate or respond or surrender. God demonstrated his love toward us, all of the donkeys, while we were yet sinners, Giving him the Heisman, I'm okay, I'm going to run my own life, I'm going to do it my way. I could sing a song, but I won't. Uh, uh, and, and, and during the time when Jesus was actually doing it, they were spitting on him, they were accusing him, and they were putting him on a cross, and yet he still went up there as the spotless lamb of God and sacrificed his life. The first fruit for all of humanity by faith, and many have been redeemed because of that. Many have not. And many will be redeemed because of this principle in their finances, and many will not. Because they won't accept this first fruits principle. And so whatever you give by faith first has the power to redeem 
the rest of your life. And it's true with your finances as well. If you give the first of what you have, God will redeem the rest of what he's allowed you to have. Does that make sense? So some people think, well, and I hear it, well, pastor, I'm not under the tithe anymore because I'm not under the law, I'm under grace. Can I, can I just say stop it? Because, because the law, there's so much to be said here, but, but the, this principle and this whole idea of giving to God the first, it existed way before the law, hundreds of years before the law we see it. In some cases, 2,500 years before the law. And by the way, even if your statement was true and it was during the law, which is not because we see it show up in the New Testament, Jesus didn't do away with the law. The Bible says abolish it. He fulfilled it by living at 100%, okay? But in Matthew 23, 23, he told the religious, he said, you, you've forgotten this, you've forgotten this, you've forgotten this, but you should keep on tithing. You ought to do that. If Jesus says you ought to or should do something, I don't know about you, but if Jesus said it, I ought to or I should do that, that should be enough. But it's in the New Testament. It's all the way pre-law. But even in the law, during the period of the law, why do we do away with that, but we, do we don't do away with the other parts of the law? Oh, thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not cover thy, covet thy neighbor's wife. Thou shalt not lie. When did, what, we, thou shalt not, uh, we gotta pract- are we going to do away with the Sabbath? No, we believe all those things too. So sometimes we just make excuses to mask or cover over our resistance to a principle that God's trying to bring into your life to bless you. See, God's up not up there. I think people say, well, you know, that scripture about, you know, you're robbing me of tithes and offerings. It's just so fierce. I don't think that's what he's saying. I think he's up there. When you don't do that, you arrest my ability to get involved and bless you in your life. You're robbing me of the opportunity to bless you. That's what you're doing. I'm hamstrung. My supernatural intervention is hamstrung because of that. So, so God um, doesn't just want to be first. There's actually more to that. The attributes of God dictate that he must be first. What do I mean by that? God can't act because of the attributes of God. He cannot act outside of his character. God, he, he'll never do something outside of who he is. Uh, he, he, uh, he can't change, for example. God is the God talks about this in Malachi. He cannot change. It's referred to as the immutability of God. If he could change, that means he could get better, and God can't get better, everybody. Right? God, I was going to say God, he, he can't think, but he can't think like us. In Isaiah, we know it says his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. But he, so he doesn't, his character, his, his, his attributes, are he doesn't think like you and me. He's different. He doesn't, God never, never says something like, you know what? It occurred to me that God never says stuff like that, everybody. He never says, you know, oh, myself. No, he doesn't say. <laughs> that was good. Anyway, that was good. He can't lie. He can't lie. Here's the other thing, though. Listen, he can't, listen, be second. It's not he just doesn't want to be. He can't. So you might have him in the second position in your life, but that doesn't mean he's second. Just so you know. You can't change the order of the universe just because you decide to put him in a lower position. It's only affecting you, but it ain't affecting him in any way whatsoever. Is everybody track? In the beginning, the fourth word is God. God was there in the beginning. He, you can't change the fact that he is the first and the last. He's the alpha. Come on, and the omega. Nothing's going to change that God is first. We have to decide if we're going to line up with the fact that he's first. Oh, my goodness. This is, this is a second service. Okay, so look at this scripture. Colossians 1, just to, just to validate that, it says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. He is the first over all creation. Right? 
goes on and says, and he is the head of the body, the church. He's first of the church. Who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Over life and death, he's first in all things that he may have what? The preeminence. That means superiority. That means priority. That means the greatness, the supremacy. It's all God. Your translation might say in everything. He's above, he's, he's Lord in everything. If he's not, as, as, as you'll hear in a testimony, if he's not Lord of everything, he's not Lord at all. Okay? So, so God is to be first. And I think God gets, he, he can get upset with us sometimes when we offer him something less than what, that which is first. In fact, in the book of Malachi, he got upset with the people of God because they were, this is how they brought to him what, what was supposed to be his, but they would bring leftovers to God. They brought, the, they brought the broken and busted leftovers to God. And st- the, 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 the sacrifices in this particular scripture, I think it's in Malachi chapter 2, is you, you're bringing me the lame, you're bringing me the blind and the crippled. He says, I, I, I won't accept it. But the translation is, I can't. I can't. He can only accept first. This is so important that you see this because you can be giving but not experiencing the blessing on your giving because it's not the first. So some of you are like, it just doesn't work for me. This is not happening. Why am I not saying? It's because of the principle of the first. Because he can't be second in anything. So some of you are like, well, let's see how this goes. Let's see how this goes. Let's see how this goes. And then I'm going to give. Nope, don't give him that broken, busted stuff. He doesn't want that. Don't give him your leftovers. God doesn't, God doesn't accept leftovers, everybody. He has to, in all your ways, Proverbs chapter 3, it tells us in all your ways acknowledge the Lord. And so whatever is first, look, at, it's going to be blessed. So it says this with regards to your wealth. Proverbs 3 verse 6 says, in all your ways acknowledge the Lord. Everything, he's got to be first. But then he gets more specific in verse 9 and says, honor the Lord with your what? Or your money, your resources, your resources. With the first fruits of some of your increase, of your net. Oh, nobody wants to say amen to that. Whoa, 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 whoa. Did he just catch me in something right First fruits of all your crops, then your barns. So, so what produces the reward, then the overflow and the brimming over new wine is first fruits. First fruits will help you so that you'll experience the then after that you're going to get the rewards. See, give them your first fruits, then your barns are going to be filled to overflowing and your vats brim over with new wine. This is really good teaching. I don't know if you guys realize how good it is. So the secret to God's intervention, supernatural intervention in your finances, so he's not handcuffed, so he's not just up there just trying to get involved, is you give him the first of everything you have. I'm going to make it really clear as we kind of get closer uh, to the subject. Okay. So let's go back pre-law. Let's look at two guys, one who got it and one who didn't, Cain and Abel. Some of you guys know the story about these two guys. But what you don't realize is 2,500 years before the law, they were, bringing, they were bringing offerings to God. They were tithing to God. And it says this, now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. One was a farmer, one was a rancher. Everybody tracking? In the course of time, key word here, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. Let me translate that. When he was good and ready, when he felt like it, in the course of time, Cain's like, okay, now it's time for me to cut a check. Now it's time for me to give. When I, when I darn well feel like it. I'm going to bring an offering to the Lord. But, everybody say but. But. 
Some butts are good. But Abel also brought fat portions, the best, from some of the what? Firstborn of his flock. Now, going on here, it says, look what happened. Two guys brought an offering. One was accepted and one was rejected. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. I don't know about you, but I want favor on my finances. Some of you are not experiencing favor on your finances because in the course of time or at no time, you are not bringing an offering. You're either not bringing it or you're bringing it when you're good and ready. But when you bring it first to God, the blessing, then the blessing comes. Okay? So some of you don't like this, but some of you love it, and that's okay. Let me, let me try to explain it in a real simple way, okay? My wife is a lot like God. <laughs> is she here? I can make a lot of brownie points right now, but she's not, she's not here. My wife, this is what I mean by that, okay? She's like God in this respect. Uh, I, in my household, am the king of making sandwiches. I, I'm the best. It's just, everybody knows it. I can make an incredible sandwich because I put a lot of TLC into my sandwiches. Some people, they just slap mayonnaise on there, throw a piece of turkey, you know, just say, here you go. No, that's not me. That's not me, man. I carve that turkey up in nice, little, it's super thick. You know, I put different kinds of cheeses on there. I've got different, these like flavored mayonnaise. like not just mayonnaise. I mean like the right, the right kind. You know, I get, I, get, I get vegetable, lettuce. I get the tomatoes in there. I mean, olive oil. I'm just, it's good, okay? Is everybody getting hungry now, okay? So, and when it's done, it's when it's done, I clean everything up. So it's just standing there like, oh, you know what I mean? Now, here's the thing, and all you women know, you all know. Before I get ready to make that sandwich, I make an announcement. And I have, I have girls in my house, and I used to say, girls, dad's getting ready to make a sandwich. If you want one, does anybody want one? Let me know. And then I, then I kind of pause. Let me know now because, because I want to enjoy my sandwich, okay? And so what ends up happening is, my wife will say every single time, no, honey, I don't want one. I'm fine. And no more information after that. But what she's thinking is, and all you ladies know what she's thinking is, I'll just have a bite of his. And she's thinking even more, I want the first one. And I know that. So when I'm done making that sandwich, this is honest God truth, this is happening to me, I get that sandwich and I try to like make it sound like I'm still out in the kitchen, but then I'll start, she'll be in the couch watching TV and I'll put that sandwich right on the head like, like, like a football. And I'm, I'm going down the hallway into the bathroom to shut the door and get the first bite for myself. She's like, honey, honey, come here. Where are you? Where are you? Nothing, nothing. Sleeving that thing down my throat. I said, honey, why do you always want the first bite? She goes, because it's the best bite of all. And what's amazing is she doesn't want any more after that. My wife and God are the same. That's all he wants is the first bite. But you resist him and you run by him and go to the bathroom. Instead of bring your offering to God. 
This is a secret to the tithe. Is everybody tracking with me out there? You're, you're missing the blessing because you're not giving him the first bite of everything you have. And so it's about priority and percentage married together. So the percentage part is so that everybody has an equal sacrifice. I don't give the same amount as so-and-so or so-and-so because they may make more or less, but we all give equally. So the percentage, the tithe refers to the tenth. You give 10%. But what makes the tithe blessed is you give it first to God, everybody, okay? So is this tithe a big deal? Yeah, because it reorders your life. It changes you from the inside out, and, 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 and it shows when you give it first who you belong to, who's important to you. So here's the, here's the, here's the principle here. Tithing teaches you to put God first in your life. Every time I tithe, every time I do it, I am releasing to God responsibility, and I'm also showing God who I trust. So they're going to show you a video in just a second of a, of a guy in our church. He's been here for, for many years now. But when he came in, uh, he was in debt up to his eyeballs. Uh, he, was, he was living under a worldly system, not God's system. See, I believe there are financial laws, but I believe there are higher laws in God's word to finances. That if we submit to those, they will bless us in this life. Is that everybody with me? So I want you to hear from one of our very own and how his life was transformed through the principle of the first and also tithing to God. Amen. Show that. As a teenager going into college, I think it was the time I got my first credit card. Although I did have an example for my parents and the way they lived, I don't feel like I ever had any true example or anybody ever sat down with me, showed me ever how to manage my own finances. I never used credit cards before, but it gave me the first opportunity to purchase something I didn't have the money for. I saw myself accumulate about $41,000 of what I call recreational debt, you know, spending on going out and food and nothing I could keep. You're paying your monthly minimums, you're just doing what you can because you've put yourself in such a hole that, you know, for at least me at that point, at other points in my life I was making more money, but at that point I was making less money than I had before, so I couldn't even catch up with my debt. So I was paying the monthly minimums, but then still since I was such in a bad habit, I was putting money right back on the card. So it was such an emotional drain, such a heavy stress. I mean, all my friends were getting ahead in certain ways, and because of the debt, you know, they, we were still all doing the same things, but because I lived frivolously, that it would cause me to have this like what I consider like a ball and chain dragging me behind and I could never get up to speed because of the fact that I had all this debt that burdened me. I felt personally that I had to take charge of this and I needed God's help to take charge of my finances because I know I couldn't do it on my own and whatever I was doing before that was not working. You know, a lot of things, I, you know, I, I felt like I'd, I'd fallen away from the church. I, I needed a connection back with God, and I came here, and I felt like Connect was a place I could do that. And I, instantaneously, I remember my friend who took me here. I came a couple weeks with him, and then the third week he said he couldn't come here, and I said, I'm going there by myself. I don't care. There's something there, and I need to, I need to get it. So experiencing God and what he had for me, that was a platform for me to want to make my life better in, in, in every area. About a year into the process, uh, one of my good friends who was helped me, uh, he was a financial mentor and a friend outside the church too. He was going here at the time and he said, um, listen, if you really want to do this, we're going to learn two things. We're going to learn how to budget and we're going to learn how to do, God's, do money God's way. And so I said, no, me being in my desperation and my, you know, my guilt and everything else and just feeling trapped, I was willing to try anything at that point. The emotional 
stress around when I was so deep in debt and now I'm gonna be giving 10% of my money off the top before I even calculate everything else. I was just like, man, this is crazy. Like how, how am I gonna ever be able to pay everything else off? Now again, I was new to the church, new to this process, and now very new to the tithe. And I'm like, but in God's word over and over again, it talks about the, tenth, the first tenth going to God. And, and, and my, my friend who was helping me along, it was Adam, and he's like, listen, if we're gonna do it right, we're gonna do it God's way. And even though I may have gone kicking and screaming, I said, let's do this right, and we'll put the tithe at the top of the, the budget. And that's how we began. So I think a lot of things too, I mean, I, I think, I mean, when we come into a relationship with God, it's all about trust. You know, it's about faith and trust. Do you, do you, do you trust him with everything? Because if you don't, you don't trust him with anything. And I think, for me, it was a lot of things with my finances about trust. And I can say, you know, maybe back then I didn't trust God with my finances when I first got started. When I started on my budget and I had the whole thing and I put the tithe first and we started looking at what God said about the finances and how we need to um, put together our finances, I'm like, I started giving over my trust. And I felt like over the whole process, my trust started getting further and further to Him and less and less away from me. It was such a release, like the tide no longer bothered me anymore because it's like, it's just automatic. And I didn't have that same type of clinging to the money that I was giving out the door. It just felt like, you know, that's the first check that goes out the door when I'm paying, when I'm paying my bills and I get my, uh, my paycheck. I felt like that was just a test for me in my certain area of weakness that I really needed to trust him on. Other people might be tested in other areas, but I feel like that was an area that I hurt so much that I was able to gain so much trust to him over, over a short and long period of time because of that. So around the time I was coming close to the end and I had about, I think it was between, it was close to between, it was about $8,000 worth of debt left. Vividly, I got, I had been my sales job, I got a commission check and it was almost to the penny, the same amount of money that I needed to pay off my debt. And I remember I had a gut check moment with my, and I called my friend who was my accountability partner. I'm like, he's like, well, if I were you, I'd just pay it off. I'm like, but this is my money. I like, and I've gotten so far and I had that money in my account and I'm like, you know what, after I thought about it, I'm like, what would God want me to do? Pay off the debt, you know? I don't want to be slave to the lender anymore. So I literally wrote that check and it was the most freeing feeling. Even though I had that money was in my account for, you know, moments, it was such a freeing feeling once I got rid of that debt finally and I could just say, I am debt free. So I'm excited about it right now. Uh, my wife and I, uh, we have a baby due at the end of November, so it's big, it will be our second. Uh, two boys, uh, only about 16 months apart, it's exciting. Each thing that comes at me in life, I feel like as a family unit, we're just prepared because we know we, we have God's principles for our finances embedded in our DNA now. Not only do I have the, the knowledge and wisdom, but I have the, the self-control and the constraint to be able to ha operate with finances and not have them you know, own me. I'm not burdened because I know if I can't afford it, I'm not gonna pay for it and get myself in this world of, you know, the cycle of, of debt again. I think now with the church, we have such great groups. We have financial peace, which I actually have led you know, almost a dozen times. Why not take the next step and trust on God and trust on the groups that this great church has to offer and get involved and get your finances well? Because I can tell you one thing, once you do, the burden is gone, the peace comes in, and you'll just have a much better life because you won't have the burden of your finances anymore holding over your head. That's good, so good, amen. Michael, thank you, thank you, thank you, Michael. I really want to encourage you. I'm trying to, I ask God so often when I talk about this subject uh, for insight. You know, one of the things we have heard as Christians is what's a term called the blessed assurance. It's referring to the fact that we have a eternal security based on what Jesus did for us. He gave his life for us. 
God tithed his son. So, but God also wants you to have a blessed insurance. What I'm saying by that is when you become a first fruits giver, then the pressure is off. I'm just telling you right now, I feel very little pressure financially, but I'm actually having to stretch my faith financially in this last couple of years than any other time in my life. We all have different challenges and stages in your life, and sometimes I don't know how we're going to do it, but I know because I have a blessed insurance, because I tithe my first fruits to God, I know it's going to work out. The pressure is on the management, the growth, the security, the solution. It's not on me. It's on him. And actually, I have, the Bible says when your heart doesn't condemn you, you have confidence before God. And you can go to him with boldness. You can go to him with a certain courage. But when you don't do things that God tells you to do, and this is a basic ordinance of the faith. This is an elite instruction. This is an elementary instruction for us as Christ follows. When we do those things, then we can just go to God and, and just have that assurance and insurance in our life. And so God wants, I just, I guess I dare you to test him because he says that. It's the only place in the Bible he says, test me. And so I try to add, you know, a, a, an idea, uh, not because I think my idea is going to make it better, but I, I just, there's, there's, a, there's a reason for it. But try it for a year. If you're here today and you're like, gosh, I can't even believe he's going to talk about money, maybe that's exactly what God wanted you to hear. And maybe it would be the very thing that literally reorders your life. It could be. Maybe you haven't been here a long time. You came back and it was like, the last time I was here was this. Now it's this. Listen, I'm going to, after today, I'm done. Like, there's going to be one more message, but it's, it's not me. But I'm just saying, uh, there's going to be this series, and then there's going to be a break for like a year on this. We may bring something up here and there, but the point is, don't miss it. Some of you are, will just endure it. Don't miss the opportunity that God's trying to teach you something. This is not in your notes, but Leviticus 27, it says, A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain, from the soil, from the fruit, from the trees, it belongs to the Lord. It's holy to the Lord. And so God's just saying, give that back to me. Watch what I do in your life. So I give 10% of my gross income to God. And I've been doing it for 26 years faithfully and in a faith-filled way, meaning first fruits, not the whole 26 years that I practiced first fruits. The first probably like 15 plus years was just obedience. And, and I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying I, I, the secret of giving the first of what I had was a game changer in my personal life and a game changer in, in, our, in our family life as well. And so when I get paid, we get a deposit electronically into our bank account, I get right on my computer, get, on my, get in my chair, I look that thing up, and before anything, this is what it means to be first fruits, before the mortgage, before a whole paycheck, I mean whole foods, okay, before anything else, I give, I give first fruits 10% to the local church. You say, well, that's good. That's, that's, that's great for you. It's not great for me. It's not great for me. My, my salary is dictated by a governing board of directors. This isn't about me getting more. You can just watch my life for a little while and just see, you know, how far ahead he's getting if all the money's coming in. That's ridiculous. We give so much money away, and we're very committed to be able to show you that and dictate, uh, you know, show that we're under certain um, fierce uh, guardrails as a church. Amen? But I'm, I'm very serious about it because it seriously changed my life. So what does that order do in your life? Let me give you this. Uh, I already did that, so let's go. Here we go. So, nope, I'm not going to do that one because I, I want to move forward. Thank you. There we go. Order shows what I treasure most. 
Order shows what I treasure most. Okay? So most people, if I wasn't talking about this today and I said, how many say God is the most important thing in your life? And everybody goes, yeah, woo, you know, cartwheels down the aisle. Let's worship God. If we talked, sang a song about worshiping God, he's number one in our life, we'd all be chanting and cheering. You can go on social media and you can see people who are Christians, hashtag God first. But listen, but listen, I can tell what's first in your life by your checkbook. Now, for some of you younger people, that's this thing, and um, there's these blue things inside it that we used to write out. But I can tell by your online report what's important to you. It's not about everything. It's just like, where was, where was the first thing you gave to? Was it the best of what you had? Was it the first of what you had? Was it the first bite of all of your increase? I can tell what's first, and God can too, and he won't accept second. He needs to be in the first position in your life. That's why Matthew 6, 21 says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also, because he knows, he knows what you love, what's your greatest affection by your treasure and where you put your treasure. Here's the second thing. Write this down. Order builds my faith. Order builds my faith. See, when you do first things first, it, it will build your faith immensely. Let, let me give you a practical question that people ask me. Somebody, multiple people in this church asked me this question. They said, Pastor, so are you saying, now my situation, my circumstances are kind of dire and, I, you know, I don't have enough money and I've got debts and I'm, sometimes I'm not sure what I'm going to be able to do. And so are you saying I should tithe when I'm in debt or should I pay down my debts or figure this thing out first? Here's my answer. Yes, you should tithe. Even while you're under your circumstances. Now, there may be a person here that thinks that's absolutely irresponsible, and I, and I respect your opinion on that. I appreciate that, but I'm just going to tell you what the Bible says. The Bible never says anything about hit the pause button on tithing because you're going through difficulties, you're going through trials, you're under your circumstances. In fact, it actually says the opposite about that. It encourages you that the best way out of your hole the best way out of a bag with holes in it is to show God that you're putting your trust in him. For me, 26 years ago, I can remember newly married. I've got bills. I don't know how I'm going to pay them all. I was short about somewhere between three and $6,000 a year is what I estimated. So on a monthly basis, somewhere between like three and $500 a month, we were short. And I couldn't work anymore. I was working like a dog. And I remember just putting all these bills on a table, and I talked to my wife about this whole thing, and I'm kind of stressed out, and I put it on a kitchen table that somebody gave to us because we couldn't even afford to buy furniture. All the furniture in our apartment was given to us. We, we were so, we just didn't have anything. We didn't have a lot. And, and I'm like, God, I've been inconsistent with this whole idea of tithing, and I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I, I, I'm wrestling with this. Do I do this or not? I'm short. And basically what he said was, you can be short trusting and believing in me, or you can be short anyway. In other words, you're going to have a gap either way. And what's interesting about people who say I can't because of this shortage is they think I can't give this 10% because I'd, then I'd only be living on 90, but we're not even able to live on the 100 under our own management. Why don't we bring God into the equation? And he's up there saying, test me in this. Trust me in this. Every time I tithe, I show God I trust him. That's why I like the fact that it is regular and consistent because our heart can get distracted and divert so quickly. But every month, that tithe brings me right back to the heart of God. 
It shows where my heart is because my treasure is going right back in him saying, okay, God, I'm going to trust you once again. I just talked to a lady just this last service. She was tithing for 40 years, and she said, this was the hardest tithe check I ever wrote was this last one because uh, the circumstances that are going on, and her husband had died. She, and she said, as soon as I gave that thing, it just, I, I, I released all that pressure and weight. It's on him. And I said, well, let's just watch and see what happens. Let's just watch and see what happens. So it might seem irresponsible to you, but I think it's irresponsible not to involve the supernatural intervention of God into your life to cover the gaps that you have in your life. I would just say, have you tried it? Have you tested him on that? And have you tested him by doing it first, not last in the process? So God is interested not just in your faithfulness, but your faith. It's not the 10% that enacts the blessing. It's faith that enacts the blessing. And whatever you give first enacts the blessing of God in your life. Amen? Okay, here's the last point. I'm going to skip this next scripture. The third point is this. Um, the order determines the value of everything. The order determines the value of everything. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, you know this scripture. You've heard it a million times. The Bible says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then what's it say? All these things, all these things will be added unto you. So remember that word added, but also remember uh, all these things. Let me give you this example over here. Everybody probably wants to know what this is. It's, it's my magician act. Uh, Stacy's under here. Watch. Poof. No, just kidding. Um, let's see if I can do this right. Okay. So Matthew, Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God. His priorities, his kingdom. This, this principle of the first is everywhere in the Bible. It's everywhere. God's saying, I want you to put me first in your life. And then all of these things I'll add or they will appreciate in your life. If I'm not first, they will, watch, depreciate in your life. So I, what happens, God is very concerned because as the creator, we start, we start separating ourselves and pulling ourselves away from him. And the created starts worshiping the created instead of the created worshiping the creator. But we look at the created things and just say, oh my gosh, look at those beautiful sunrises. Oh my gosh, look at all those toys that I can have. Oh my gosh, look at those clothes that I want. Oh my gosh, look at, you know, the, the, these things that I, could, that I could own. I want that kind of a house. And people fall in love with their, with their careers and just climbing the ladder. People fall in love with their, their hobbies and their toys. And people fall in love with, you know, the, the, the whole physical realm. And, and people fall in love with nature and just travel and all the different things they can do. And God's saying to you, listen, I want you to have all of those things. And I understand they're exquisite and they're wonderful and they're great. But if you put those things ahead of me, you're going to get really, really messed up. It's going to mess you up pretty bad. And so I have to be, God's basically saying, I have to be in the first position in your life. But if I'm not in the first position of your life, everything that's added in your life is devalued. Am I doing this right, everybody? You seeing this? What's that? I don't want it in the first place. I want it in the last place. Is everybody tracking with me? So everything's ahead. Is this right? Everything's ahead. So we're putting other things ahead of God in our life. And when that happens, because God's in the last position, these things all lose their value. It's amazing. When, when God's not first, everybody says God's first. God's on your list somewhere, but very rarely is he in the first position. And when he's not in the first position, the things you have, they begin to have you. 
they begin to depreciate very quickly in your eyes. As soon as you get something, it starts to lose its value overnight. But when God is put in the first position of your life, is everybody tracking with me? Everything begins to add value. Everything begins to grow. Everything begins appreciated. When you get the sequence wrong, you're going to get messed up. But when you get the sequence right, when God is in the first position, he will add all these things unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God. Put God in the first position in your life. Don't just have him on your list. If you trust this principle of the first, I promise you this is a principle you can take to the bank. It works. It'll work in every area of your life. Can you give God praise for his word? Amen. 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 Why don't you stand to your feet? Let me pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Order matters to God. Now, some of you came in today and you received a connection card when you came in. That's your way to let us know what's going on in your life. And so we can't connect with everybody personally the way we'd want to, but we want to connect with you. And so if you have a prayer request, a concern, you want to get involved, you let us know. But in just a minute, we're going to pray about this. And so if you make a decision today to put your trust totally in Jesus Christ, to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Hey, let us know. Would you let us know and fill out a connection card? And then you can just bring that down to Guest Central if you make a decision to really surrender your life to Jesus today. We have a gift for you today. Amen? Would you just close your eyes and bow your heads? I want to pray for you, every single person in this room. Here, here's, what's, here's what's so cool about first this first principle. God started it. God started it. He started it. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. You can't even do this until you experience the love of God. You won't have the motivation. You won't have the compassion. You won't have the desire to surrender until you realize that he did that for you. He gave his life. Jesus tithed his life for you so that you would give back a portion of your life and your resources back to him. And so he did that to redeem you. And if you've never experienced the redemptive work of Jesus Christ on a personal level, a spiritual level, if you've never let the clean make you unclean redeemed and you want to have that in your life, I want to give you that opportunity. Every head bowed, every head closed. For those people who can have that private moment, I really appreciate if you do that for them. But if that's you, would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I want to experience that relationship with Jesus. I want to know that redemptive work in my spiritual life first and foremost. If that's you, just raise your hand. Good night. I don't want to miss it. God bless you. Yes, yes. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen. Church, would you say this prayer with me and those that are watching online, would you agree with me in prayer? Say, Jesus, I thank you that you gave your life for me, that you loved me first. Even when I was rejecting you, turning my back on you, you gave your first fruits for me. I thank you, God the Father, that you tithe Jesus into this world to save humanity. And now, God, I respond to that, to that love, and I choose to love you back and put you first in every area of my life, my finances, my interests, Come on, my relationships, my schedule, my troubles, all of it is yours. I make you first today in Jesus' name. And all the church said amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand clap for his word.